We are in the middle of a series where we're looking at some of the main themes of the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is a book that is great because it deals with a lot of the real fundamentals of the Christian faith. And so it gives us a chance to look at some of these key themes, but in a slightly more uh, thematic way. The book, uh, the book really underscores one of the most important things that we need to understand, uh, whether you're a Christian or, or not a Christian. This is, I mean, I know for a lot of Christians, like we know this, but do we really know it? Um, the book underscores the fact that we are made right with God, not because of our efforts or any um, endless exhausting attempt to try and live up to some standard. Like that's, we actually can't do that. But the Bible underscores the fact that we are made right because of what Jesus Christ has done, that God came to us in Jesus Christ to pay for the penalty of our guilt. So that now God says to us, you can be made right with me. You can come on home to me. You just have to respond. You have to receive this by faith. Just come back home, that's faith. That's like a little kid saying, yes, my, my parents love me, I'm going back home. That is all we need to do. That's all God is saying to us. I love you, I've paid the price for your guilt. You just come on home and, and he has set before us a pathway that he wants us to walk on. He is, as Al said before, he is commissioning us into a new pathway and it's a pathway of peace. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, this pathway of peace. You know, if you are right with God, if things are right between you, you and God, then no matter what's happening in your circumstances, you will be okay. You will be all right. If you are right with God, no matter what happens in your circumstances, you will be okay. Ultimately, if your circumstances are wrong, the first thing that you need to make sure of is that you are right with God. If your circumstances are wrong, don't rush to the circumstances. No, you need to make sure that you are right with God because if you are right with God, then no matter what your circumstances are like, you'll be okay. To illustrate this point, and this is uh, something that... Uh, Paul is going to talk about in a passage that I'm going to read uh, in a moment, a simple I illustration, and you'll have to forgive me, it's another nautical illustration, um, but uh, it is kind of biblical. Uh, it, it's, uh, the idea here is that I want to symbolize uh, God and God's purpose as like an invulnerable boat. You know, we jumped out of the boat into the ocean when we rejected God. We deserve to drown, but God came and saved us because he loves us. So he paid for our guilt and he called us back into the boat. And so we take the hand of Jesus and we get back in the boat and we harness ourselves in so that God can take us home to the other side of the ocean. Of course, with all the other people that we're going to help along the way as well. This taking the hand of Jesus and getting harnessed into the boat. This is faith. I want you to imagine this as faith. So we're imagining Life is an ocean crossing in an invulnerable boat. Now, here's the thing. The weather is going to get really bad. The weather's going to get bad. But the main thing is that you are harnessed into the boat, right? Because the boat's invulnerable. 
Now, the boat's going to get thrown around all over the place. You're going to get, you know, you're probably going to feel sick. You're going to get, uh, you're going to get wet. All your stuff might get washed over the side. I mean, it's going to get really, really rough. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. But take courage because I have overcome the world. In other words, if you are right with me, God says, you'll be all right because you are in an invulnerable boat. And this is basically the message of Romans chapter five. In fact, it's interesting, this draws us attention to the fact that, that the heavy weather actually is one of the things, I know this sounds strange, but the heavy weather that we go through is actually one of the things that God uses to keep us safe. See, when it's all nice and calm, uh, and, and everything's going well, it's easy to forget about how much we actually need Jesus, how much we need to be harnessed in by faith to God, right? And so, you know, we could easily just go astray when things are going well. But who knows that when things go really badly, when the storms are raging, the storms of life are raging, you know that you can't be God of your own life. And it's in those moments that we are reminded, ah, oh, that's right, I'm not God. That's probably one of the first most important revelations that you need to have. You're not God and that God is calling you back to him into his boat. And so in some ways, the things that we go through, the storms actually keep us holding on tight. They actually cause us, they make us persevere and they give us a focused character on holding on to God that will ensure that we sit tight with God. All right, let's read Romans chapter five from verse one. This is from the New Living Translation, which is a good translation if you're a beginner. Uh, The New Living Translation of the Bible is a nice, easy to understand uh, version. It says here, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. We have peace with God. So you might say today, well I don't don't feel very peaceful. One of the things I wanna point to today is the fact that you might not feel peaceful, but that's almost irrelevant to to, to this message because Paul is saying, no, you actually have peace. You have peace, you just gotta realize it. You've gotta enter into it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't feel peaceful, well, there's a decision here that you need to make to enter into the peace that you actually have. I was thinking about this uh, during this week as I was praying over some things and, and I just, uh, this, this verse, providentially actually, because uh, I wasn't thinking about sermon preparing, but this verse came to my mind. And, and I sense God say, you have peace with me. You already have it. Now come on in. Come on home. Let's enjoy it together. We have peace with God. And God's calling us to enjoy it. Verse two. Because of our faith, that is, you know, taking Christ's hand. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. 
and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. That's, you know, getting the other side of the ocean, right? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That's the stormy weather. For we know that they help us develop perseverance. And perseverance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's our focus, you know, getting, we, we keep, our, keep our grip on the one who saves us. Verse five, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Unlike most other forms of hope, you know, hope in the world system. This, in, in a sense, we, we live in a, in a situation of enormous privilege in our society for the last you know, number of decades, we have enjoyed a kind of uh, sort of external peace, relatively speaking to world history, but uh, we can become so accustomed to that calm ocean that we start trusting in these externals, in the situation in which we live. And so, what the Bible tells us is, you know, that's not really a firm hope because it's more brittle than you think. And, that, you know, lately we have sensed the brittleness of that veneer of civilization that holds all of human dysfunctionality down. I mean, it's broken through many times in history. In the late 1800s, I, I read a, a, a book um, by Stefan Zweig, uh, it's, a, it's a classic uh, book about, it's called The World of Yesterday, and he describes the, the amazing time uh, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and what he describes is, I mean, he, he describes something that to him at the time seemed like a kind of utopia. You know, we've got there, it's, it's like this time of peace and there's no more war and, and, and that's all the part, and, and we all get along, and isn't this, and then overnight, the world caved in. Two world wars and the world was never the same. And we're just reminded how brittle this world system actually is. And we're encouraged, John, in his letter, one of the other writers of the letters of the New Testament says, listen, do not love the world. Do not love the, love the people in the world. Love the people in the world but be really careful about putting your trust in the world system. No matter how stable it seems, it's really brittle and we know the future. You know that, we know the future. The Bible tells us about the future and actually the Bible's got everything right so far. So we have no reason to doubt that it'll be right about what is still future. And the world system is like a boat that sinks. The world system is a broken, leaky boat that sinks in the end. So make sure you're in the right boat. Make sure you trust your hope is in God and God's purpose because that is the only thing that will keep you afloat. And so Paul says, this hope does not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know what he's saying here? This hope will not disappoint you. See, um, 
I think a lot of people, when I talk to a lot of people, I feel sometimes our approach to the things of God is something like, oh, I really hope when I stand before God on that day that God will accept me. I really hope that I've done well enough that God will embrace me and accept me. But a lot of people feel that they just never, you just never quite know. Am, am, I, am I really gonna be good enough? A lot of people are actually terrified, maybe that's you, actually really terrified about is God actually going to accept me? Do you know that this statement in Romans chapter five is written exactly for that kind of fear? Because at this time, a lot of people, and particularly um, a lot of people in the church, that a lot of Jewish people in the church that Paul uh, was writing to, they felt like, you know, that I've just got to try as hard as I can to be as obedient as I can and to serve God as much as I can. And then maybe, so that maybe on the day of judgment, maybe God will accept me then. And what Paul is saying here is no, 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 actually, you can know now the verdict beforehand. You can actually know, imagine you've got a massive court case that is a life and death situation for you. You know, think of the, the anguish that people, what's the verdict gonna be? Am, you know, what's the verdict gonna be? Well, actually Paul's saying, no, no, Christ declares his verdict over you now. Like right now, you already know what the verdict is. So you go through all of the trials and everything and you're just completely at peace. Because I know that when I stand before God on that day, he won't look at my righteousness or lack thereof. He won't look at whether I am worthy. He will look to Jesus who gave his life for us. And God, the only question that will beg on that day is, is Jesus worthy to take away all of our guilt? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the very incarnation of God, do you believe that he is greater than your guilt? Man, you might feel like you got some serious guilt over your life, but I wanna tell you today that the worth of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is infinitely greater than that guilt. Infinitely greater. And all you need to do today is say yes to Jesus, because he wants to give you a gift. And a gift is not something that you earn, you receive it, you receive it. The Bible says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved from guilt, from condemnation. And as Paul says in chapter eight, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You just gotta get into the right boat. And so there is this sense here that there is this future reality, actually this future heavenly reality. This is kind of, what he's talking about here. This reality that, that the Jewish people actually expected up in some time in the future. Because a lot of the prophecies spoke about the Messiah and they spoke about the Messiah bringing peace. Let me give you an example. 
Isaiah chapter 9 is a classic example. It says here uh, from verse 5, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, this, he's talking about the world situation and this is still future for us. And the, and the Jewish people looked forward to this time when the Messiah would come and bring peace. But I don't know if you've noticed but we still don't quite have this in the world. A lot of people thought we did. Um, they probably missed a lot of things that were going on in other countries, maybe, uh, you know, because there's been plenty, there have been plenty of wars going on, by the way. <laughs> um, this is a future reality. And one day, according to this, Jesus is going to speak to the storms of the world and command them to be still, and they will be still. But right now, Paul is saying, even, even though the storms will still rage around us, Jesus can command the storm in your heart and you can have peace even in the midst of the turmoil. One day, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and they're in a lake. I mean, I've been to that lake, it's not very big. They obviously weren't that seaworthy. I mean, nothing against the disciples or anything, but I've, uh, you know, I've been on the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and it's a bit bigger than the Sea of Galilee, I have to say. However, it does get really, really rough on that lake. And they were on that lake, and it was really, really rough, and they were terrified. But who remembers, what was Jesus doing in the boat? He was asleep. He was asleep. The storm was raging, but Jesus was at rest. There is a traditional Jewish greeting that goes like this. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. It's kind of saying something like, rest in peace. Now normally, we stick that on gravestones. Oh, he's resting in peace now. But do you know that what, what Paul is saying, the good news here is that you don't need to wait till you die to rest in peace. That you can rest in peace now. You can rest in peace now. That's the good news. And it has everything to do with who you are connected with. There's this beautiful picture in the book of Revelation. And uh, I actually, I remember um, Al in a prayer meeting actually drawing, I don't know if you remember this, uh, drawing attention uh, to this. And I just feel like it's been a real theme. I've just, um, it, it, you know, there's this turbulence in the world. It was in, a, in the, uh, the, the 90s, the late 90s, not the late 1990s, <laughs> the actual 90s, right? Early church. And it was a terrible, terrible political situation. No matter how much you deplore 
uh, any worldly political situation at the moment. This was like really bad, right? Really bad. And John was in exile. He was on the Isle of Patmos and he's worried about his church and he's, you know, so much to be anxious, so many storms raging. And do you know what God says to him? What does he say, Al? Come up here. Come up here. And he draws John up in the spirit into the throne room of God. And while everyone's being anxious on earth, do you know what they're doing around the throne of God? They're celebrating. They're celebrating. They don't seem that worried in heaven. And do you know the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, we too are seated at the right hand of God. We have a place in that throne room, not just then, not just when we die, I mean then too, but not just then, actually right now. And God is saying to us, hey, come up here. Disconnect, like you've got to live in the world and contribute to the world and so much to enjoy about the good world that God made, right? And, and one day God's going to renew that world. We're going to live eternally on a renewed earth and all the rest. We know that, right? But right now, over all the chaos, God says, hey, come up here. Dis, don't get connected. Don't put your trust in that. But come and be seated at my right hand. Let your spirit dwell in heaven, even though your body dwells on earth. And you will have peace. There might be storms out there, but there can be peace in here. Because you might might be overwhelmed by the dissonance of the noise of chaos in this world, but if you can enter that place to be seated at the right hand of God in Jesus Christ, you will hear the song of heaven in your heart. We can tune into that. And God is calling each one of us. I want you to live with your spirit seated at the right hand of God the Father. This doesn't mean you're gonna live with your head in the clouds. No, it's actually gonna enable you to be a lot more use in the world. I want you to be in the world, but I don't want you to be dependent on it, God says. No, I want you to live with your spirit seated at the right hand of God the Father in Jesus Christ. That's good news. This theme of the shalom of the Lord, it, it stretches right through the Bible. It's, I think it's most beautifully expressed in the Psalms. And I, I just love what they do because so many of the Psalms are written in the midst of such turmoil, the like of which we could probably not imagine. And yet they say things like this in Psalm uh, 46. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, because there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. We were singing about a river. There is a river 
whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come up here. That's what he's saying. Hey, come up here to the psalmist. See, the psalmist is echoing, prophetically echoing the voice of God. Come up here. Come and see what the Lord has done from the perspective of the future, right? Just like John. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. You know, the Hebrew word there, be still, It actually means, one of the, one of the uh, it, it's not a word that's used a lot of times, but one of its meanings is to let go. It's interesting, we were singing that song. I think, Boaz, we might sing that again at the end. Can we do that? Uh, it actually, it's, it means let go. It's, it actually has this sense of let yourself go limp. Like let go. Let yourself um, drop, as it were, into trusting in God. Let go, trust in God, be still. Stop fighting, stop striving, stop trying to control the world. Why? Because you're not God and you're not very good at it. And it's really frustrating when you try. Just be still and know who is God. I will be exalted, God says, among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And one of the core ways in which God is exalted on the earth now is when people, in the midst of all of the turmoil that's happening and everyone losing their head over the turmoil, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned, absolutely we should be concerned. But when in the midst of all of the turmoil, there is a people who are at peace with God. Man, the world's in turmoil and and Robbie's, in, he's just so peaceful. How, do you, how does that work? Because he came up here. Because he responded. He responded to the commission. He responded to God who says to us today, hey, come here. Come on. Come with me. I know you've been, you've been trying to do it alone. Doesn't work very well, does it? So how about you walk with me in the pathway that I've actually already made for you? Now, it's gonna go through some rough places, but hey, take courage, for I'm with you and I've overcome the world. Like you know that in advance. So why don't you come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened and worried and anxious, all you who have mucked up your life, who have fallen over again and again and again, just you need to come home. That's what you need. You need to come on home and you need to walk with me and the good news is that now you can. Come up here. Come up here, he says, to anyone that will come. 
I'm going to get the music team to come up. I want to give you, and I want you to stand with me. We're going to, going to give you the opportunity today. And this isn't just a once-off thing. We want to, I, I hope that you can wake up every morning and, and sense God commissioning you today down that path. Hey, there's a pathway of peace here. Do you want to walk on this? This is a sure thing. My purpose, God says, is a sure thing. You get into that vessel and you'll be okay. Ah, uh, it's gonna get rough. <laughs> but that's why you really need to be in this vessel, in this vessel, because it's really gonna get rough. I mean, we know that beforehand. So come on, you get into Jesus Christ. It's the only sure thing in this world. Come up here. Let's close our eyes and be still and know. Let's be still and know that He is God. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, right now, Father, we let go of all of those other things that we've been hoping in. All of those other things, Father, we let go. And today we say yes to you. Just want you to take a moment. I wanna ask you if there's anyone in this room who has never ever said yes to Jesus Christ, never said yes to Jesus Christ before. I wanna give you the opportunity today. No one else is looking, just me and God at the moment. I want you to give the opportunity to signify that if you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time, you just stick up your hand nice and high for me. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Beautiful. There's a number of people in this room, folks, who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Let's pray. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, everyone together. Father in heaven, we are sorry that we have not lived the way you want us to live. We receive your forgiveness given to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ. We say yes to Jesus today. We give our lives to you, God. Fill us with your spirit and lead us to life everlasting. And all God's people said, let's respond with this song. Thanks guys.